rates of spend during a recession come out two to three X their competitors who stopped prior. You know, the best example is that Post was the big uh, cereal brand. They cut back during the Great Depression and Kellogg's kept spending and Kellogg's came out at 250% more sales or something. If you're a large enough brand, you can say, hey, look, like, What's more important, us hitting a break even for the next year and a half or us losing a bit but coming out way ahead of our competition? Because there's no question when recessions happen, opportunity increases. It's where all these major companies came from. That's how innovation happens. That's how growth happens. That's where ad costs go down. That's where consumers are looking for that next thing, spending more time on their phones, or et cetera, et cetera. So that's a massive opportunity. Thousands of people have jump-started their TikTok content strategy using Coley's TikTok Creative Brief template. That's because it has all the steps for successful creator collaborations and best practices to create fun and engaging TikToks. If you haven't grabbed your copy yet, don't worry. Coley just dropped a brand new version of their popular template filled with even more tips and insights to level up your TikTok game. Head to coley.com slash TikTok to download your free copy and start creating TikToks for your brand that people actually want to watch. Welcome to All Killer No Filler. My name's Eric and I am here with the Pilot House founding team, Dave, Jeff, and Kyle. Uh, it's funny, it was probably two years ago, a couple months ago, this week we did the very first ever Pilot House podcast at that time where we talked a little bit, I think it was called How to Advertise in uh, global pandemic essentially is what that first episode was called of the podcast ever look back on it very fondly and so I just thought maybe it's time to update this all killer no filler episode and release a how to advertise in a recession now let, let's start with that first of all just from a broad sense Jeff you're probably the guy that pays closest attention to, to these global trends are we officially in a recession yet would you say I, I think it's I don't think anyone knows what the hell's going on right now to be honest we're in a weird time I mean like consumer savings is way up because of the pandemic. I don't think we've had, I was looking at some chart. We haven't had this level of savings since the forties. I think it is. Um, and, uh, consumer spending is still high, but then we have inflation, which is consumer debt is also high too. And the opposite of savings. Yes. And, but you know, the job market's still hot as all hell, you know, there's obviously tech layoffs and things like that, but you know, for the most part, no one can get enough workers, Wages aren't going up as high as inflation is going up, blah, 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 blah. So we're in, I would say, I think the general consensus, at the very least, we're just in some level of uncharted waters. Eric, you made reference of the pre-pandemic podcast. And in many ways, all you can do is, is prepare yourself, right? That's what strategy is, just preparing for any eventuality. I think it's safe to prepare for a difficult eventuality. And that's what we were doing, you know, pre-pandemic. I think everyone was. We all got very lucky in this industry. Um if it is a you know if the recession comes on strong and gets worse, I, I think it's safe to say it won't be you know the uh, a redo of those e-commerce glory days in, um, in in the coming years. But that being said, I think the same process of preparing yourself and getting ready for that eventuality uh, is all the same thing. So it's it's, it's a good reflection on that point. Uh, what moved the needle back then likely could you know be what we need to be focusing on this time. I want to talk about the things and and some of the steps that that maybe brands can be taking, the things that we're doing with our brands to prepare. But I just want to even just reflect, since you brought it up too, on that was March 2020, I think, when we did that, how to advertise in a pandemic. Uh, and I know, you know, you kind of went into as as CEO and and this and the founding team here, you kind of went into that year with this idea of like, even though there was a lot of unsurety, that you were going to kind of 
put some bets down, grow the business, really grow aggressively. Let's just check in a little bit for people that might not know, like what's happened to Pilot House in the two years since we did that podcast? Uh, I say triple double, you know, that's kind of our, that's our trajectory. And, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to keep that momentum strong. Obviously nowadays it's going to, it's, it's going to be about the, the how, right? How can we create that momentum? And that means, in my opinion, just my, my view on that is staying focused on what matters, right? Just not losing sight of what makes a business survive any day recession or not. It's, are you acquiring customers profitably, right? Now, sure, there's some, you know, tech companies, SaaS companies that somehow, you know, don't have to live by those rules. But for most brands, most listeners here, it's, are you acquiring customers profitably? Are you able to sell your product effectively, right? Pilot House aligns to the, the ability to do that. And so as a brand owner, as a, you know, if you're an e-commerce manager, whatever you are, I think that now more than ever, you just got to reconnect with those things. And that means sometimes making some sacrifices, right? Sacrifices that we at Pilotos are willing to make. Sometimes takes, you have to take the ego out of it, right? Sometimes you have to not care what other people think, what other, how other people view you, and you just have to get the job done. And in this case, that is, uh, you know, selling your products profitably. And if you can do that, you know, you have to be like a, like a cockroach through through a, a war, right? Is relentless focus on survival, food, water, shelter, reproduce, right? And in, as a business, that means being relentlessly focused on the things that are going to allow you to survive, and that's generating cash flow, right? I mean, the, the the question's always, should we pull back? You know, I think the title of this is advertising in a recession, right? The big question is, should we pull back? Should we spend into it? Should we create awareness so that one day in the future we can acquire those customers back? That's obviously possible for, for some businesses, but that's a big gamble, big risk for a lot of others. And I wouldn't advise it for some smaller brands who probably need to generate cash flow in the short term to keep their payroll going, right? To, to avoid layoffs and avoid some tough decisions. Are we seeing any pullback in the market, like just in terms of like ad competition? It's funny on the on the D2C side, we're seeing sort of record low lead costs right now, which back to, you know, pre-pandemic levels or pandemic levels, we're, we're seeing our, our kind of lead costs come down. And I'm wondering if part of that has to do with, with flight from the market or flight from competition on these paid social platforms. Are we seeing any of that so far from the paid social side uh, in terms of lack of competition? I, I can comment real quickly, specifically like with the, the meta Facebook, Instagram team, um, you know, our click costs are like back to, on average, they're, they're back in and around kind of where it was like a year and a half or, or, or two ago. And so I don't know if like you can attribute that specifically to big brands pulling out or holding cash, you know, and also like there's likely declining user base and things like that too. So there's a couple like pressure systems there, but even with declining user bases, people, you know, swinging over to TikTok or just gardening, whatever they're doing um, in my case. <laughs> uh, click, click costs are coming down. It does feel that way. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the predictions for Facebook revenue, Snap, Pinterest, Google revenue, they're not predicting a flood of advertising dollars into the market, right? They're predicting a slowdown in growth. So, I mean, that that in itself just tells us that we should, and we, we most likely will, if we end up, and I think there's a big if, but I think it's probably a logical if, um, if we end up in, in in more of a traditional recession in terms of consumer spending dries up and or you know lessens, we're gonna see less competition in the ad marketplaces. And I think there's like again, like you just said, Eric, and like you just said, Kyle. I mean, that comes with big advantages, and the people that will succeed are the ones that can take advantage of that and say, okay, hey, 
I couldn't acquire users on Facebook before because uh, it was just too expensive. But all of a sudden, CPMs have dropped by you know 25%. All of a sudden, it works for me. I'm going to dig into that. Uh, even though consumer might be down, it might, it might make up for it. Well said, Jeff. And I think also looking at like your offering, like what is your, what is your actual product or service that you're selling, selling, right? Like at the beginning of this, this chat, we talked about how consumer saving hasn't been this high since the 40s. Flip the coin on the other side, uh, consumer debt's never been higher. But we've also been saying consumer debt's never been higher for the last 15, 20 years. It's just, it's just how it is. There's a marketplace of haves and have-nots. And that's really important. Like, look at your offering and where you're at with the have and have nots and, and give yourself confidence or insecurity, I suppose, around what you're actually trying to sell. Because there are people that will still be buying through this. In every recession, there are always people that still buy. There's always people that will have money. It's which group will have that money and which won't. And in addition, I just read this article yesterday on like, there's more people buying yachts than ever before. It's like record setting yacht sales, right? We know the divide in, in our global economy. And I think just being aware of that and looking at your product, looking at your placements and just staying on top of it. I remember when the two weeks leading up to the kind of like official pandemic, shutting down the office. Oh my God, are we all going to lose our jobs? Are we going to have to fire people? We all rallied together. And I remember that little uptick. I still remember Dave on a, on a, on a call and he said, no, we're going, look at this. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, no, no. We're, we're in fear mode right now, Dave. And he's like, no, 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 look at this. It's ticking up. And we, the next day, he's like, we're fucking going, boys. <laughs> and we got behind that. And so you just need to, you need to use data. Sure, be cautious, be aware, look at all these indicators. But make sure you're on top of what you're doing to make your decisions and be confident in your product. Find the right consumers because there is going to be groups of people with money. You just have to, you just have to get in front of them. And it's not like it's not a total feast or famine. It's not haves and have nots entirely. It's also for, for those that may not be in the yacht buying class. It's about crafting your offer to meet them where they are and and having and you know offering discounts and promotions and and things like that 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 really take that, you know, that take that into into account that not everyone maybe has the disposable income they had before. Doesn't mean you're not going to reach them, but it might mean that you have to tailor your offer to reach them better. Let's unpack that a little bit more, Eric, because that is a very practical strategy, right? Is if, if you are a brand where you've got consumers and they're deciding between your product and another product, switching brands is the, the task. They're still going to be buying a product in your category. And so it's about, can you find a way to craft the offer to decrease the upfront cost while still profiting over that longer term to acquire a customer and, and generate profit, if not in the first purchase in the second or third. Uh, so get your funnel, your back end is important now more than ever, right? You need to make sure coming into this, your email is tight, your follow-up and your, your retarding, your customer experience, right? What's that? Are you reaching out to your customers and saying, hey, thank you. Like we know money is tight these days. We really want to express our appreciation. And they're going to say, holy shit, when was the last time I got a call like that? Right? So you got to find those ways to create that experience to drive those uh, repeat purchases now more than ever. I love it. I think that's that's a super that's a super relevant point too, Dave, and, and not just on uh, in recessionary times, but we are in a it's called a we've been in a data recession for the past you know year or two two years since since Apple's made its changes, Facebook's been changing the way they do things, um, and we don't we don't have the same level of, of insights uh, the systems don't have the same algorithms they used to have and it's not going to get better it's going to get worse so i think in uh, you know when times are good and i think we can say that times are still good you know people are still spending the companies we're working with are still because amazon prime day ever yeah like things right. things are still 
go, going up, right? It now is the time to focus on those things that that you should be. And and like the first party data um, that Dave is referring to is one of the most important. The amount of people we see coming in that don't have that dialed, or at the very least are are doing just a kind of the bare minimum because that's all they've ever had to do because times have been so good with just, you know, you spend money on Facebook, it, it makes you more money. Is it's it's surprising. And I think that's one of those things that uh, any brand that starts to focus more on that first party data, their SMS program, their email program, the retention of customers opposed to just the acquisition of customers um, is going to be the one, you know, they're going to be the ones that come out of the recession eventually on the other side uh, in, in a much better footing than those that, you know, failed halfway through because they didn't have that set up. Jeff, well said, like if, if you're pulling back on customer acquisition when you're doing it, you know, break even with, you know, out cash flow issues and you're pulling back now out of, out of kind of worry of what will happen. You need to double down while it, while it's, while it's working in case something does go sideways here. Uh, and you do that before things do turn uh, to Jeff's point uh, in collecting customer data and building that long-term vision and a lot of you listeners have done that. But if you're profitable, you lean into it and you do it hard and you do it right now. Yeah, I agree. And we, we, we've been in a, uh, I mean, you think about, you know, back to the question to Dave about how his pile is done in it. I think that it, it's no, it's not a surprise to anyone that, you know, everyone in the direct to consumer e-commerce space has had this amazing wind behind their backs for the past two years. And I think people that expect that it's going to do that forever are wrong. And that's, I think that's what we're trying to say today too, is that you have to always be adapting, always be adjusting, use that win to gain the momentum so that you can ride through the storm at the end of the day and you're still fine. It's the people that are doing the bare minimum during the win because it's easy uh, that are going to just, you know, fall flat. Bingo, Jeff. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Some of the specific takeaways I, I see with regards to brands who maybe started in 2019 or you know before or even during 2020, uh, obviously saw an amazing one, two, three years worth of progress. And you know how many new businesses fail in the first three to five years, right? It's it's astonishing. And why is it? Oftentimes it's it's because of it's because of cash flow. And what's the first, what's the biggest thing that's going to happen to so many DTC brands as consumer spending stops? And if they start pulling back on ad spend, cash flow right? You've got, you've got fixed costs, you've got overhead. If you don't have that, if you don't have that volume of, of revenue coming in the door to facilitate your, your costs, you're going to be in a in tough spot. So one other you know, thing, what did I see? Uh, you guys just released in the BTC newsletter, some extended credit on credit cards and things like that, right? It's like, these are the kind of things you got to start preparing yourself for now. If you do end up in a situation where you have to decrease, uh, decrease your revenue and your cash flow. And also scrutinize your expenses. Like there's there's no two. That's something Sean Frank talked about on on his podcast. Like going to some of your SaaS providers even and trying to negotiate lower lower percentage points across the board. It's sort of time to really look at all your expenses. Really make sure that you're scrutinizing them like appropriately and and eliminating and lowering them wherever you can. Right? Because it's going to take a tight ship potentially to get through these tighter times. I, I think it's also it's it's looking and Eric, you and I do this probably about once a month with DTC, it's as, as a business, it goes and says, okay, we, go, we go and say, okay, let's look at, because uh, sometimes you're so in the weeds, you kind of forget to look for the low hanging fruit. And it's one of those things where if you just kind of step back and say, oh man, if we just tweak this by 10%, that 10% goes straight to our, our bottom line, straight profit. If we uh, cut back on this, oh man, we've been spending this for six months and it hasn't resulted in any uplift of anything. Um, why are we doing it? Just cut it. And, and don't be scared to make those changes. 
and, and don't be scared to, I mean, a lot of people try to avoid that kind of stuff. I think those conversations, cause they suck, you know, it can suck, especially if you're in a panic mode, but do that when the time is still good. That's the time to have those conversations. Make sure you're prepared. Doesn't that speak to performance marketing, Jeff? Like that's how we, that's how we run media, right? It's, it's literally, you look at it, you do that on a, a campaign level and ad set level and ad level. It's really saying if it doesn't perform, it doesn't, it doesn't belong and really not attaching ego. Like so many things that a brand is doing, they're doing it because they have a vision and they want to see that vision through and you're kind of doing it for that reason. And maybe you want it to pay off down the road in many years to come. You might be forced to make the, you know, the performance decision, which is to, you know, pause that thing, retain that cash and actually funnel that cash to the things that are keeping your business alive, which as a reminder is profitably acquiring customers, right? Wrong size, wrong color, didn't look right in the living room? There are hundreds of reasons your customers return products, but returns don't have to be goodbyes. They can be an opportunity to complete the shopping experience. Built exclusively for Shopify, Loop lets you create a delightful return experience to attract and retain more customers. By making it easy for your customers to find products they love, they'll come back again and again. See why thousands of Shopify brands like Allbirds, Chubbies, and Brooklinen trust Loop as their return partner at loopreturns.com slash DTC. You know, we mentioned first-party data as, you know, this essential thing that brands have to focus on in order to weather the storm over, over the next few years. What are some other areas that we think are, are critical to, to brand success right now? I think making sure you have the right offer. Making sure you have the right offer for your customers now, but also your customers in a recessionary environment. So if they need to pull in their purse strings, what are you offering them and how is it different than what they're willing to buy today? You know, no problem. I'm biased as a marketer, but I, I, I always lean towards become a better marketer, right? Become a, become a better salesperson as, as your whole team, as your whole company, become more effective at selling your product. If previously there was 10 people who wanted to buy and now there's six, you're going to have to be... 40% more effective to, to come out even. And I think it's possible, right? I think every brand can improve the way in which they sell their products and they just have to be willing to prioritize that. That's copywriting, that's storytelling, that's all, all those things. That's persuasion, classic persuasion. Yeah, n- n- next thing I'd do is, is in times of lessened demand, I, I would do kind of a retesting of all the main channels that have worked for me in the past that maybe don't anymore. So a lot of people will run Facebook, it gets too expensive, they, they kind of go off Facebook on TikTok or whatever. So going back and testing the angles that used to work for you, testing the kind of stuff that worked when CPMs were lower, um, because if CPMs do come down with a decrease in demand, you might actually see those work again. So might, that might just be low hanging for you. You can just kind of knock off. Next, suspend assumptions, right? We all have an assumption of terrible times that will guide your hand, right? So don't assume the worst. Let the data tell you if it's the worst, but until you see that, don't take action based on it. That's great advice. And even even us talking about a recession in this, I, I think the biggest part of a recession is like recession expectation or inflation expectation. It's like really the, the market is mental, right? And so, and so is your business in a lot of ways, right? So if you're leading it from that mindset, uh, it's going to affect you. Another thing we should touch on is, um, you know, on, on, on Twitter, on, on whatever, I mean, every marketer is sharing the same kind of studies that go back to, the companies that spend during a recession come out two to three X their competitors who stopped prior. You know, the, the best example is that post Kellogg's one. I think post post was the, the big uh, cereal brand 
uh, they cut back during the Great uh, Depression and Kellogg's kept spending and Kellogg's came out and 250% more sales or something. And I think it's important to look at that and say, okay, is this the right thing for my business? It's, it's not going to work for every business. Like Dave said, I mean, cash is king. If you are just going to hemorrhage money into a, a void, you know, it's probably not for you. But if you're a large enough brand and you can say, hey, look, like what's more important, us hitting, you know, a, a break even for the next year and a half or us losing a bit but coming out way ahead of our competition? Because there's no question when recessions happen, opportunity increases. This is where all these major companies came from is during recessionary times. You know, um, That's how innovation happens. That's how growth happens. That's where ad costs go down. That's where consumers are looking for that next thing, They're spending more time on their phones or you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, really looking at that study, reading these studies and saying, hey, is this right for me? Can I apply this to my business? How can I apply it to parts of my business? Uh, and, and seeing if you can you can thrive during a recession as opposed to, to pull in and contract. One more big one I wanted to mention was if you're a new brand and you've grown quickly over the past two years, you've likely hired a bunch of people, you've brought on a bunch of onboarding and, and it's worked because there's been a high demand and been enough revenue to sustain that business. When that tide shifts and your revenue comes down, you still have that fixed cost. You have to make a decision of either reducing your fixed cost or finding ways to keep that revenue up. And I think a lot of people are going to pull back on spend when they see, you know, some indication of decline, perhaps with some assumptions that it's going to continue to get worse. And that right there is the starting point of what, how so many businesses fail, right? So the only solve that I can think of, I'm no expert, but a combination of finding ways to reduce costs, but also finding ways to keep your advertising going, keep the sales coming in the door. And that's where there are some sacrifices that can be made. Again, the easiest ones, in my opinion, come from come from self, come from, from ego. If you're, if you're willing to do away with some of your, uh, your desires and actually focus on what your consumers want and be willing to, uh, to, to go with the flow, uh, and especially if you're advertising on paid social or TikTok, it's all about the consumer. We're, we're almost out of time here, but I just wanted to ask, you know, I normally ask on the D2C podcast about if we gave you a 50K grant, uh, you know, what would you do it? You know, how would you apply it to the business to see the biggest uh, piece of growth? And I'm just curious from, you know, you know, Dave, like with, with the number of accounts that we run, if, if a brand were to come to us about, okay, I've got this surplus budget, where where would you be putting it right now to prepare for, for the current times? Where would you be putting $50,000 to see the biggest growth for a client? That's a really good question. It's, it's a terrible answer. It depends, right? It depends where they're at. And, you know, like we said, if, if their email isn't tight, I would invest it all there. If their storefront isn't tight, I would invest in conversion rate optimization, right? So I would, I would consult with someone to come in there and say, hey, if, if, we're, if we're only converting at 2% on our traffic, you know, we, we're going to need that to be four, especially now more than ever, right? Going to push that to five, push that to six if possible. And there are so many things that a brand can do that I'm always boggled that Shopify, if they're on Shopify, optimization is always the bottom of the list of things. You're it's always focusing on those ads, right? And, and focusing on t- tweaking that one word. And it's like, why are we, we're missing the forest fr- from the trees here uh, when all that traffic is going to come to a site. So I'd say probably your backend email and your Shopify CRO. It's probably the most broad. I, what if I-, I got, I got one to throw it in there. Um, aggressive creative testing. And I think it, it, again, there's so many brands, um, that come in and they've had one creative or one type of creative that's just that it's been their success and they've fallen off a cliff and they're just trying to get that back. And the solution we use at Pilot House is just 
you aggressively, aggressively, aggressively test creative. You know, we're going to go test 200, 300 different ads to go find that next winner because that you're especially in today's uh, data deficient, you know, world. It's it's the creative that's driving so much of, 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 of our brand success. You find that right creative that resonates with the audience and you're going to crush. And there's a million ways to do it with, with 50 grand. Earlier, I said I mentioned ego, and I think a lot of brands are going to fail uh, in a recession due to ego. And aggressive creative testing is the uh, it's the antithesis of of ego, right? It's really just saying it's not about me; it's about the data, it's about the consumers. I'm going to let them vote with their dollars to tell me and to communicate to me what they want and what they're willing to buy, right? And so, when you're aggressively creatively testing, you're willing to just take yourself out of it. Kill your darlings, as a writer would say, right? You need to be willing to kill your darlings. A hundred percent. Eric, a great example is, is again, I'll just use DTC because we're on the DTC podcast, but, you know, we cut our acquisition costs by about 65% with a new creative. And, and it's just, that's lasted for three months. That is massive in terms of the number of people we've been able to add to the list, add, which grows the business, which grows it all, you know, and that's just from literally one creative. And we're always trying to find that one creative, so we're always testing. But when you do, it can just happen, you know, it's not a forever solution, but it's a solution to get you that next lily pad, you know. It makes me think of a point that we brought up earlier, too, just about ways that you can kind of add value without detracting uh, or, or asking too much of the customer. And it makes me think of what we're doing. And it's the first time we've really talked about it on the podcast, but we've actually started a second newsletter called The Daily CTA. And it actually right now, so when you subscribe for the D2C newsletter, you get an opportunity to also sign to our Daily CTA, which is a, it's a meta newsletter of sorts where we're actually summarizing all the other best newsletter and blog stories out there into short point form hits. Uh, so you can actually subscribe to that now. First time we've even told our audience about it at uh, dailycta.co. Uh, but that ability to sort of by adding a new product property in our funnel, we lowered our, our acquisition cost by 40% ostensibly because now 40% of the people who opt into direct to consumer are on CTA as well. Yeah, that's a really good lesson too. How do you, how do you take the spend you're already making and make it go further? Right. And like, that's, that's exactly what we did. And it's not like if you, if we put uh, DTC and the daily CTA on the front of the newsletter, you're going to get way more, you know, drop off because people are like, eh, I don't know, it's two newsletters. It seems like a lot you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if someone comes through same flow, so the front end cost for a DTC customer is exactly the same. And then we add it on the back and say, Hey, do you also want this? It's like, it's a standard order bump on a, on a, on a checkout on an e-commerce site, right. Or an upsell or a downsell or whatever. It's just, it's purely additive at the end of the day. I mean, there's obviously downstream metrics, you know, unsubscribe rates, et cetera, but you know, it, anything that brands can be doing to do that, um, is hugely beneficial, hugely beneficial. Think about how you can make your dollars go further. That's it. 100%. I, I wanted to pin either Dave or Kyle down on this question a little bit further and and give a posit a 50 grand scenario where you were actually asked to actually just split traffic among Facebook, TikTok, and call it the Google suite. So you, you could use 50,000, you could use 100,000, let's use maybe even 100% and take like a a neutral brand, like not a two, you know, it's a, it's a millennial brand. It's a, let's call it housewares or something. What does that split look like in 22? I'd say I'd go 50% meta, which is Facebook, Instagram, 30% Google, 20% TikTok right now. Uh, obviously with TikTok, big question, does TikTok work with your brand? If the answer is no, I wouldn't recommend you spend 20% of your budget on TikTok. But if yes, or in, you're in the early stages right now of testing, the reason I'd 
I'd suggest putting money there, take your 50 grand and invest it in content creators, right? Right now you need to get real TikToks. It's not, not even user-generated content. It is in fact TikToks, right? You need to find the creators who are able to make TikToks for your brand. And that also might mean internally, right? That might mean hiring someone internally to your company who just loves your product, who's willing to get out there and put themselves out there and jump around and, you know, in, in the company and, and make it human, right? Talk to the people who work in your company, go to the warehouse and, and say, Hey, Hey Joe, what are you, what are you working on today? Uh, that's the way that I'm seeing. And, and through conversations with other brands and obviously your, your conversations, Eric, with DTC uh, members, that's the kind of content that is thriving. And so invest your money there. There's never been a better organic opportunity for people to sort of show people how the sausage is made, as you say. Uh, and, you know, whether it's showing your factory, like you say, having in, just asking funny questions to people who work at your company and recording it. Like there's just so many different ways that you can kind of create that organic content. And it creates such a good proving ground for what filters up into ads as well. So I think that's a really salient point about TikTok. Nice. Maybe we'll check back in in another two years. I know the plans are continue to grow massively as we have both as Pilot House and D2C. So we're going to kind of keep doubling down through the 2022, whatever it is. And we hope you guys come along with us. Thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Loved it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.